Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. You're listening to another episode of Family Business Radio. I am your host, Anthony Chen. Today, we are packed with four powerhouse guests. Uh, first guest coming up is Maggie and Mike Grajewski with Service Wise Electric. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So kind of share with us your story, your origin story. What inspired you and uh, motivated you to start up your own electric business? Um, well, I've been an electrician since 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be 47 next, next month. Mm-hmm. So I, I picked a career path uh, in in 2004, I started a business, sold the business, and five years ago, went back into business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it's, seems to be a good path and works well. So what initially got you to sell the business and what brought you back? Uh, not knowing much about business. Uh, we sold it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we learned a lot. We went to a much bigger company um, with about 400 employees mm-hmm. and learned stuff out of there. And that uh, rolled into what we call 2.0. Oh, so uh, he was actually brought on to a very large company that does HVAC plumbing, and they had him start the electrical division. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was the very you know first person to actually to go off in that direction for the electrical division. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he went from zero to it was twelve million when when we started two point back up that you were doing the division. No, th- it was three million a year. Okay. So went from in four years went from zero to three million a year for them. So we figured we could do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we did. And so, the reason why we left and started it back up was because they sold. It was a family owned company. Um, they sold and it just got too corporate. Uh, and so uh, we're very family oriented. Um, it just kind of the values strayed from what our vision was. So we just really wanted to kind of you know gear back into getting the family own business type thing. And so that's why we decided to start it back up. Mm-hmm. So when you sold your first business and you went into just, I guess, kind of a larger corporate structure, was it always the intention to one day start 2.0 back up? No, never. Um, you know, we thought we were going into a family business, like Maggie said, mm-hmm. um, and, and it was working well until the purchase kind of behind everybody's back uh, uh, went through. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, we made it about a year in the corporate side mm-hmm. and, uh, I realized I, I work better by myself or, or for myself. Mm-hmm. And five years ago, January 5th, uh, this is our fifth year back in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I, I know for our listeners who are uh, familiar with the show with the family, there's a lot of uh, business owners who start out on the, their own, did the nine to five or corporate and say, you know what, enough of this. I, I think I can do it better. Absolutely. So kind of share with us, you know, when we use the phrase family business and you talked about the values, I want to highlight that a little bit. What does that uh, mean to you? So I think the most important thing that we like to focus on is taking care of our employees. So, um, you know, going back to the family owned and operated type thing, like we treat, you know, when we hire people on, we are truly hiring them into the service wise family. So like we know that if you take care of your employees, they're going to take care of your company, which is a win-win on, on both parts. So, um, that's something that I think that we felt like had been, um, strayed when we, when that larger company was bought out, um, and it just became very corporate So we just wanted to kind of bring it back to, you know, the company taking care of the employees, um, just making sure, you know, it's an environment that we would want to be in. So that's what we strive to do every day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And Mike, what, what does it mean 
for you. Kind of what Maggie said. Um, I mean, larger companies forget about everybody below them, pretty much. Mm. Um, We currently have 17 employees, uh, and they're all treated like the guy who came in two months ago is treated like the guy who was there four years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, if you reward them for what they do, uh, they they all seem happy. Um, They keep on coming back, Mm -hmm. which is good for us. Great. So kind of share with us kind of a behind the scenes. What does it look like running an electrician business? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a typical business. Mm-hmm. It's construction though. So, you know, we're a service company, so we do no new construction. So we, you know, fix, repair, and add. Mm-hmm. Um, we do residential and commercial. So, I mean, every day we have, you know, a, a CRM with dispatchers of guys out. There's 10 vehicles. Mm-hmm. So they take the vans home. They, they get phones from us provided by us. Mm-hmm. They get calls just sent to them throughout the day. So, you know, as someone calls our phone, it gets, the girls take the number, take all the information, create a file and it goes to that technician and they get sent out to the house or the business and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in, in terms of, so that's kind of the quick sneak peek. What is something that you think the public should know more about running an electrician business that they're just not aware about? One thing I want to t- touch base on huge um, is you can say you're an electrician, but not actually hold an electrical license. So that's very important. And I want the viewers to know that, that they can go to the secretary of state website, Georgia secretary of state, and you can actually verify any, any contractors license. And that is so important because you can advertise as being an electrician, Mm -hmm. but you're not actually an electrician. You don't hold that license. Um, it takes, you know, there's um, insurance, you know, the liability, workers' comp, all that stuff. If you don't hold an electrical license, you're not covered under, under that. So it's very important to actually make sure that who you have coming into your house has a valid ele- electrical license. That's a little important. I want to make sure my electrician knows what they're doing, <laughs> exactly. doing not burn my house down exactly. by accident. Because then it'll fall back on you because they don't have the proper insurance to cover that, which mm. is scary. Mm. So... Yeah, that, that, that's a really major tip I, I wasn't even yes. uh, aware about. Now, is this something more Georgia-specific, or is it just kind of universal? Well, well it, it's every state has its different laws, mm-hmm. um, but there is no certification in electrical. So mm-hmm. if they say we're certified in electrical, there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's even licensed or not licensed. Um, but at Georgia, where we work at, um, licenses do reciprocate um, in certain states, mm-hmm. uh, but Georgia's where we focus if you don't have the license and something was to happen, like Maggie says, you're, you can't carry the electrical insurance. Your, your, your general liability wouldn't cover it. Then mm-hmm. for our audience, or just kind of learning this uh, for the first time, kind of share with us, you mentioned your journey pretty early on at uh, I was 18 or 19 going into the electrician business. What inspired you to take out that path? It was a summer job. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried HVAC mm-hmm. um, in refrigeration and then, just went into electrical. I had a buddy said, Hey, why don't you try this? Um, right out of high school. And then, so I went to Chattachy Tech for industrial electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just worked. It's just kind of a different field, same idea. Uh, but the different field in the service field that we're in. And uh, Maggie, how did you get involved or kind of sucked into this uh, electrician business world? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, so my background is actually medical. Um, I was a surge tech and medical administration is actually my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we got together, um, you know, I've, I've had other jobs, obviously. And then when he started the 2.0 back up, it was never our intention for me to come over and, you know, help him run everything or anything like that. It just kind mm-hmm. of happened. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that 
everything happens for a reason and um, it just, it just happened and it just works. Mm-hmm. Was it kind of one major event or was it just kind of a slow trickle and it just kind of made sense? It was a slow know? trickle. It just made sense. <laughs> he was, he was getting too busy once he started back up uh-huh. um, to be doing everything. And I was like, all right, let me, let me help up pick up some tasks and stuff like that. And it just, just kind of fell into place and we are where we are today. So what is kind of the next step as you're kind of growing uh, the business? You mentioned you do a lot of work both on a residential and a commercial. Which side do you find most enjoyable? What, what running the business or? Uh, either doing running the business uh, on either residential commercial or being active servicing. So it's funny you ask that. Um, I, last week I actually stepped out of a service van and gave it to a guy. So I'm in a truck. So it's kind of a whole new role for me. So I'm going to be more and working, you know, on the business instead of in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's more enjoyable as you, as you get older, uh, your body gets worn out. Uh, you know, the service is always in the heat, in a crawl space, in an attic, mm-hmm. carrying stuff. And so my role's changing right now. Uh, so we'll see how I adapt. I'll come back and we'll do this and see how I <laughs> see how I feel. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to get work on this side of the business. Um, so we like to go out and just network and do open networking stuff and stuff like that. So I can talk forever. So if I the more I can, that's going to be my job now is just getting out there and talking. Mm-hmm. So Maggie, I assume that you kind of like this kind of transition uh, for Mike, where he doesn't have to go through crawl space and or suffer. As at the moment for our listeners, uh, this is June of 2022 in a Hotlanta, as they would say it, it is a little swampy. It is. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is super hot. Yes, it is so much more enjoyable having him. Um, he, I mean, he's my best friend as well as my business partner. So we just, like I said, we work really well together. So it's just nice having him more involved on working on the company um, mm-hmm. just so I can bounce ideas off of him. Like it just, it, it just flows and it just makes it so much more enjoyable for the day-to-day operations for me to be like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? And then he's like, Oh, I, you know, not grouchy and like, Oh, I got to call you back. I'm in a crawl space or in an attic and I'm like, you know, just dripping sweat. Um, so he's a whole lot happier not Mm -hmm. having to be out in this 98 degree heat. It's hot. It is super hot. Just a bit. Just a bit. So, so then one major question I I know for a lot of listeners, I don't get to have many opportunity to be able to uh, interview husband and wife uh, business partners. Share with us, how do you both get to balance between business and being able to leave that at the business and then coming home and still being uh, partners? So that took a while. Mm -hmm. Um, We we finally got to a point where we have um, a general service manager and we have an office manager. So as soon as those two came in as parts, uh, it's pulled us away from it. Mm-hmm. So we're actually can come home and we still talk about business. So, you know, it, but it's a, it's different than it was when we got started. It was just business, 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 business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were learning to work. We work together well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For 12 years now, we've been together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so. so what got the name uh, electric? I'm sorry. Service wise electric. That was, I, I thought of that back in uh, 2004. Uh-huh. And it's just like it came up and we have a slogan, it's service and advice at a very wise price. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it came from. Just thought that's, of it up. That's a really nice tagline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, so, so for you, Maggie and Mike, so for our listeners listening in and they're considering having a, a husband and wife combo partnership into a business and they're just kind of on the fence concerned that, okay, if we step into this, it's going to possibly change the relationship or maybe they're already butting heads. What would be your advice to those that are either on the fence or just kind of working through that? What did, how did you f- discover your tools to work through that? 
So if you are already butting heads, then do not go into business together. Like it is only going to make it so much worse because there is, I mean, you know, I mean, there's still even times now where, I mean, I just want to just, you know, squeeze them and be like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Um, but as long as you can just remember, like you said, you got to leave it at the office. And then once you get home, you got to separate it. And I think for, mm. uh, you know, women, it's a little bit harder because we are tend to be a little more emotional about things. So um, that took me a little while. He He's a little bit better about that than I am, but um, it took me a little bit longer um, to do that. But um, if, if, if that person is your best friend and you can actually stand them to the point where you can be with them 24 hours a day, and you have a goal, a vision to start a business, do it. The freedom is, it's indescribable. Being able to wake up and, and do something that I love with the person that I love is just phenomenal. Like, you know, I mean, it's just, what? who wouldn't want that job? I mean, it's not even a job at this point. It's just our livelihood. It's just our life, you know? So mm-hmm. if you can make it work, then it's incredible. Mike? So I would discuss, I mean, you, you, any business you want to know, if you guys have the same end game in mind. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're, you're you, where you want to go and when she wants to go are two different places, it wouldn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you guys are thinking the same direction and just need a little turn here and there, uh, go into business. Mm-hmm. The beauty of working for yourself is unbelievable. Um, and it's hard. So no one thinks it's, you know, we, we, it was never nine to five from the beginning to still now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's getting easier, but you know, there's still calls in the middle of the night. Sometimes there's still stuff like that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And for our listeners who uh, either want to have a great family business feel, electrician coming out, whether to the residential or commercial, or maybe want to have someone to lend an ear and give their advice. Okay, you guys clearly figured it out. How, <laughs> I want to I want to find what your secret sauce is. How can they best find you? Um, they can go to our website at servicewiseelectrical.com. Um, they can call the office, they can text, they can book online. So just either the website or we're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all, all the normal stuff. So. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Our next powerhouse guest, we have Meredith Fingerson with Meredith Fingerson Consulting. Hi. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Great, thank you. So kind of share with the audience a quick uh, history as to what got you to start your own marketing business? Well, so I've been um, in corporate marketing for the last eight years of my life. And um, I was actually at a a wholesaler, um, regional wholesale distribution, and realized as we were working through the B2B and the B2C space, there is a lot of opportunity. Um, You know, I know we just had electrical on. We were plumbing specialties Mm -hmm. for uh, marketing within those smaller businesses that may not have the ability to do that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left my job in January and I was very excited about it. Um, and now I kind of specialize in small to medium businesses that need marketing, but aren't exactly sure where to start. Um, so I have a plumber is actually one of my clients right now, which is very cool. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about my history. So you talked about uh, social media marketing or just marketing in general for small businesses. Now, I know it's kind of a hot topic with people who are just kind of dipping their toe into social media. They think of the Facebooks, the the TikToks and all that and they go, well, okay, so which one do I go with? So it really um, depends on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, social media is, it can be a great avenue for getting your branding and your messaging out or it can be a huge detriment to that. Um, and I mean detriment as in, Hey, I have a brilliant idea. 
I'm going to go ahead and post 14 times today. And then you don't post for three months. What a better plan might have been to take those 14 posts and spread them out over that three months. And now you're building your audience and you're building your message. So it's not getting lost in a million different things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, for each business, the platform and how you use it becomes very important. Um, For, you know, some businesses that are B2B, I definitely recommend LinkedIn, you know, next door neighbor for service companies. Mm -hmm. You may not get a huge audience on Facebook. Facebook's actually dying. Mm -hmm. They're, they're losing more members than they're gaining right now, which is first time in their history that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So social media can be a huge, powerful tool for businesses to use, but you have to use it right and very strategically. And it can't be your only tool. Yes. Speaking of other tools, this uh, other acronym, SEO, <laughs> being thrown around all over the place. Uh, can you explain that uh, to our listeners? Sure. So SEO is basically tied to your website, and it, it it is search engine optimization. And you also have SEM, which is thrown around as well, and search engine marketing. Mm-hmm. The difference is search engine optimization is something that you would do to impact how your website ranks on Google. So you would update with blogs or constant, you know, content updates. You're doing things on your website so that you're continuing to message yourself. Google does not like it when you put a website up and you leave it for five years and you don't touch it. You'll start going down in the rankings and the rankings are important, especially for service companies where you want to be on that first page when someone Googles, um, I need an electrician in Alpharetta. Mm -hmm. You want to be the first one or at least the first three on that first page. Mm -hmm. So keeping your SEO updated, post a blog, have a social feed come into your website, things like that. So that's a little bit about SEO. Just, well, I'm pretty sure we're just scratching the the tip of the iceberg here, but you know, we don't have like three to four hours (laughs) to really dig in deep here. So for those who are just kind of listening in and, and kind of learning your marketing service can I share with the, the audience other than the, kind of the SEO and the social media, what other forms of specialty do you kind of look into to help them craft their marketing strategy? So because my, my history in marketing and, and what I've done previously, I was at an executive level. So I was on the board of directors. I was um, at the top marketing person for a large regional wholesaler, which took me out of the daily stuff. So I'm not a specialist in anything, but I can, I build strategy. So I help companies understand kind of a holistic marketing view. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily going to be the one buying ads or bidding on keywords, but I would be the person helping to build the strategy on the best way to go about doing that. So if a small business came to me and said, Hey, we need help with marketing. I would first take a look at what they're currently doing to make sure that it's either hitting the mark or it's not. And where it's not hitting the mark, find, you know, ways to kind of manipulate what they're doing to change it up and maybe help them hit their, hit their targets. Mm -hmm. So I'm more of a consultative strategist, I would say, um, versus an actual person who's going to get in the weeds and really do it. But Mm -hmm. I I have levers I can pull that can do that for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you're getting called in and a business owner is saying, well, I kind of tried this and that and, and it's just all now working, what is kind of the top couple of things that you see 
That is a huge mistake that business owners need to stop doing. So one of them is, like I said earlier, the social media not being consistent. You have to have that consistent message on social media. Um, it just, people will drop off if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, expecting that just resharing something is going to get them plays. Mm-hmm. Not using hashtags. <laughs> I know they're obnoxious and they're annoying, but they are vitally important, especially for a business that's a public business because you're um, generating a larger audience. So anybody that follows that hashtag, if you put hashtag Alpharetta Georgia, mm-hmm. anybody who follows that has the ability to see your post. So you are expanding how you reach people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say one of the number one is, you know, use social media, but use it strategically and use it to build your business. Number two is not updating your website. I know it takes a lot of work, but if you are a company who is, who primarily goes to business or client drives traffic to a website, mm-hmm. you have to keep updating it. Google will start ranking you better. I mean, even overdoing AdWords and keywords, having that metadata, which is behind the, in the coding and it, it keyword tags your content. So any, any time that you have content on your website, you want to make sure that you're hitting the keywords that describe your business. Mm-hmm. So those are just two of the big things. So keep your website updated and make sure you have a strategy for social media. Certainly. So for those who are just looking for some advice or maybe they've tried and gotten burned a couple of times or maybe they haven't had an update on the website for the past five years, how they can how can they best find you? Um, you can go to my website. It's just MeredithFingerson.com. Um, I have a very strangely spelled name, but if even if you get it close, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always call me or text me. My number is 678-725-3129. Other than that, those are the best two ways to get a hold of me. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Our next powerhouse guest, we have Adam Grossman with Good Dog Media. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. Right. So kind of share with our audience your story as to what got you into starting your own business, uh, particularly in videography. Well, I come out of uh, uh, film and television. Uh, I uh, worked in film and TV for a number of years, and it was actually uh, during a writer's strike because uh, I, w- I was working as a writer and director and I uh, wasn't going to sit around because it really isn't my style and I also couldn't afford it. <laughs> so I, uh, a buddy of mine who was uh, uh, a photographer for Vanity Fair was doing a big shoot and he says, come out and do some behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and I, I knew the shots that I needed with this shoot that he was doing. Of uh, It was a send up of uh, that shot of uh, Cary Grant from North by Northwest uh, with the biplane. He was recreating that with Seth Rogen. Oh. So, and it was a real shot out in Oxnard with a real 1942 Stearman biplane. So I'm out there with a video camera and no crew. And I knew the shots I needed. So I shot this thing, cut it in iMovie, I think, sent it off to Graydon Carter, who was, you know, the editor at Vanity Fair at the time. And he's like, that's the behind the scenes we're looking for. I did all their BTS for eight years. Mm -hmm. And that's what started my company. So I did a lot of editorial for uh, for a while, and then just like with any business, you can't just do the editorial. You got to do stuff that's going to pay the bills more. And I moved more into promotional, and now I do that kind of work for businesses of all different sizes uh, all over the country, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, using that sensibility of film and TV and bringing that to uh, the kind of promotional work for 
the kinds of things that Meredith was describing, actually. So what got the name Good Dog Media? Oh, I named it after my good dog. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What what breed was the dog? He was a Weimaraner, and he was spectacular. My best friend for 12 and a half years. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of share with us for the companies that are, might be looking in terms of for the first time producing uh, video content, whether dipping their toe or they were recommended by their marketing strategist or they're seeing everyone, okay, everyone's doing these short clippets. How, where did they start? How, how could you help them navigate that? That is a great question because it, it's really, it, it is hard, especially when you're starting out like, okay, we know we need video, you know, and what, you're going to Google, you know, videographer, you're going to come up with wedding photographers mostly. Mm-hmm. And you know, to, to get started, you want to work with, um, you want to work with a company that's really going to get to know your company. And that I, th- I feel is what we do best. We're very small footprint. We come in, we discuss, you know, uh, along with a strategist, you know, what, what is the story you're trying to tell who you're trying to reach and how do you want to make them feel? And that's how we get to know a company. And we will put together typically a hero video, which might be about, you know, five minutes long, let's say Mm -hmm. that's about us. And we'll interview, uh, you know, different people in the company. We'll get all their B roll. It's going to look spectacular. But the thing is, if we don't have real content, meaning a real message, a real authentic message, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. And then we deliver a package that is not only this hero video that can be used, you know, at uh, you know, on the website and, and all that, but also I provide all the content that we don't use because we, oh, we're going to overshoot. We're going to shoot these interviews. You know, there, there's all this stuff that I'm going to edit that that's not going to wind up in the, in the, uh, hero video, mm-hmm. but they might be able to use that to feed the beast. Meaning as Meredith was saying, yeah. you know, you got to keep posting. So if I provide one video, that's going to work out real well, but, uh, you got to keep posting. And they may not want to have to come back to Good Dog Media every time they need a 10-second clip to put up on Insta. Mm-hmm. So I provide these uh, select reels of all that, too. And so it, it's a complete package. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of share with a quick story, then, uh, as what would be an example of a very fulfilling project that you enjoyed working into. I know you should just share opening up with a biplane. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that was editorial. And, yeah. and, I, and I still do editorial for Vanity Fair and, uh, and for Smithsonian and stuff like that. But uh, a, a recent company that I really, really love, uh, they're called Uncommon Logic. They are a marketing firm in, uh, in Austin. You've heard of them. Uh, and uh, we got to know the company, went out there, put a small crew together, and interviewed the company and did a lot of B-roll of them working and stuff. Now, the thing is, you know, if, if you are, uh, let's say you're working with an electrical company, you know, it's pretty obvious what we're going to show in terms of B-roll. We're going to show you guys putting together electrical projects, a digital marketing firm, maybe a little less easy to describe. And so it was a, a challenge to figure out how do we make this story visual? Cause we don't just want talking heads mm-hmm. And we, we dug in and got to know these people and showed them working together in, in a way that really delivered this message of this is a great company to work with. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a great company to work with, it's a great company to work for. Mm-hmm. And that was part of uh, what our assignment was. And uh, yeah, really fulfilling because the, the, the best compliment we can get is when the, the people at the company look at the video and say, yeah, they really got us. Mm. 
So that kind of leads to the next question is how do you see videography as an industry evolve into the future? Because everything you explained is a lot more involved in, in three to five minute hero videos or clips. And then we see on the social media end, we got like 15, 30 second TikTok videos. I mean, how is that applicable or is that going to be the new paradigm for videography? Uh Yes and yes. Okay. Uh, I, I, I really, I, I think about this a lot and, you know, in some ways it's like, uh, I mean, one, one of my favorite uh, quotes about editing is, um, and, I, and I, I'd actually have to look up who, I, who said this a long time ago. It was one uh, a writer um, uh, talking to another and saying, sorry that this letter is so long. I didn't have time to write a short one. <laughs> Okay. You know, and that describes the editing process right there. And, and so when Instagram, you know, changed from, I, I think it used to be 10 seconds, then it went to be like a minute. And ha- how long is it now? A minute and a half. A minute and a half. I was like, no, no, no. Make, make them tell the story in 10 seconds. You know, it's it's harder, but it's also a little more enjoyable when it's concise. Mm. So uh, when I say yes and yes, I mean, yes, there's going to be room for long form three to five minute stories, but we also want to see these clips. And I, I mean, I, I've got some, you know, some data here, this changes all the time, but it's like, you know, it's the number one source of information for 66% of the people in the world. I mean, that's how many people are, are I mean, you know, here, here's something else that, that'll put it in perspective. More video content gets uploaded in 30 days than what the major U.S. TV networks have broadcast in 30 years. Okay, that's how much data we're, we're working with. That's, that's why the, these companies are, you know, it's 5G and why we need all this speed and, you know, and, and all this room. Yeah. So what, what, it, what does that tell us about video? It's just going to continue to grow. It, it already is like the lingua franca of the, of the internet. It's how we communicate. It's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And what, what I really hope to see is a rise in the quality of it. You know, these, these phones are great, you mm-hmm. know, and they, and they, they're technically good, but we also have to, you know, kind of pay attention to the stories we're telling and, and, you know, does everybody want to know what you had for breakfast every, every morning? <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but, or maybe somebody does, but you know, we're, we're in the business of trying to make it interesting. Well, and speaking of stories, what brought you to Atlanta? That's, uh, I like that question. Um, it, it was partially pandemic, um, but mostly how portable my business has become. Yeah. Uh, because I work with uh, companies all over the country, uh, I go to them. So I, one, of, one, of my, one of the funniest things that happens, we, happened was we moved here uh, and I feel like it was like 10 minutes later, I was on a plane going back to Santa Barbara because I did a big project for the Santa Barbara Vintners. So I'm all over doing production. Nobody cares where I'm doing my post-production. Mm-hmm. And the real reason we moved to Atlanta is because we love it. Good answer. <laughs> it's great. I well, love, love being here. And it kind of shows, uh, it clearly you exude love and passion for what is it that you do. What, if you, there's one thing, if you can only choose one thing as part of your business, what would that be? Helping people tell their authentic story. Uh, and I, I, I'll tell you, I, I have, you know, experience working with, you know, fantastic celebrities, you know, in entertainment and in promoting entertainment as well. Um, but the truth is, you know, a seasoned celebrity who is accustomed to being in front of the camera, it's not hard to, to get them to deliver a, a, a great performance. They, they are, 
meeting you more than halfway. Mm -hmm. But what I find to be particularly challenging is when you have that CEO of a company who is a great leader and maybe not accustomed to having three cameras, you know, pointed at them at once and, and, you know, and telling an authentic story when I can help them do that, Mm -hmm. that is one of the most fulfilling things I get to do. So for those who might be a little camera shy and wants to dabble or tiptoe into videography or, or having video content, how can they best find you? Uh, probably through, through the website, Good Dog Media. It's uh, uh, good-dog-media.com and uh, all, all the rest is there. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Nice to be here. All right. Chris Le- we have Chris Leibold with Senior Care Authority. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Right. So kind of share with us, what is an elder care consultant? So uh, the way I've been describing it lately is that before 1920, the term realtor didn't exist. Mm. Nobody bought or sold a home. They, everybody did it on their own. And then suddenly they came up with a realtor. Now, 90% of people that buy or list their homes, they use a realtor. Today, uh, about 10%, 10 to 15% of people use an elder care advisor or an elder care consultant to help them navigate this horrifyingly complex journey of trying to find uh, dignified senior living mm-hmm. and dignified senior care for their mom or their dad or their spouse. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine... Uh, how much more treasured that relationship is to them than that of a that of a home. So, uh, elder care consultancy is in, it's in its infancy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's our hope and our vision as ten thousand people turn sixty five every single day that more and more families will take advantage of using an elder care consultant to help them through this uh, overwhelming journey of finding a dignified environment. For mom and dad. And kind of share with us, uh, our audience as to what brought you into this path, into this business. It, it's all because of my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as, as I was listening to uh, the other couple here, I'm like, I, geez, I sh- should have brought my wife on here. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she was a, a senior real estate. Uh, she's SRES, senior real estate specialist. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were caregivers for my father-in-law for six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was spending about 15 hours a day over at this place um, where we had moved my father-in-law into. Mm-hmm. We had also been taking care of him in our home. So my wife and I lived through this journey of having to take care of a loved one, having to take care of a family member. And it was very, very difficult. Uh, I was also a director of marketing at a wholesale redistribution organization. So I found that to be pretty funny with, with, with Meredith. Mm. And uh, the company decided that wholesale redistribution wasn't a fit. So I found myself in transition. And my wife was doing so well with her senior real estate business, we decided to add elder care consulting onto it. So now we have this one-stop shop where my wife can help somebody, a, a senior, sell their home. She does their estate liquidation. She does the senior relocation, and I help them 
find the right kind of uh, senior living community or we bring in the right kind of care into the home if that's what they decide to do. So then kind of share what does it look like um, starting their engagement uh, with you or an elder care advisor in general? Like what would the families look to expect in terms of benefits? So there is best practice and then there is we got to do something. Mm-hmm. There is planning and then there's let's, let's try to manage this fire drill that we're currently in. Uh, it's always best when I'm working with a family when they're in the planning mode. So mom's, you know, she's, she's in her 80s. There's been a, a couple of signs that uh, something might need to be done. Mm-hmm. For example, maybe she's fallen a couple of times. Or maybe uh, she's been out trying to get groceries and uh, she's gotten lost. Or maybe there's some physical things that are preventing her from living independently. Mm-hmm. That's the time that somebody should reach out to an elder care advisor. The pathway right now is... Families tend to hop on the internet Uh or they call a 1-800 number Mm -hmm. and they provide their own personal information to these, these two different uh, uh, sources and their information gets sent to all, uh, you know, all lots of different aging services, communities, lots of different uh, communities. It's best if you work with an elder care advisor, I've been describing it's like, if you work with me, it's like getting a fast pass at Disney world. Uh, you're not going to have to stand in line and go through all that that agony. I'm going to get you right to the front of the line, and we're going to introduce you to the right people. We're going to introduce you to the right communities, and we're going to make sure that your uh, your loved one is finding the most dignified solution that they possibly can for their loved one. Then mm-hmm. kind of share with us, uh, as our listeners are probably learning about this whole industry, just new in general, as you, as you point out, is kind of early on in the process. Um what is the common reactions you get from families uh, as they're kind of going through and engaging with an elder care advisor? Probably the most, there's two statements that uh, I, I hear most often. The first one is, geez, I wish I, I, wish I knew about you four years ago. Uh, this is after they've had to move mom or dad, you know, four times because they've, they've landed in a situation that's, Uh, not a dignified one. And, you know, Mm -hmm. mom's just not getting the right kind of care that she needs. Uh, So that's, I wish, you know, that's one of the common. And the other common thing is uh, this is, I'm so happy that uh, I've had an opportunity to meet you. I I don't know how I could have ever done all this on my, on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that's, that's the most important part about this, that uh, everybody, every listener out there right now needs to realize that there is no reason to do it on your own. The majority of my services, uh, my consulting fees mostly are, are paid by communities if I'm helping, if I'm introducing those families to a senior living community so there's no cost to the family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if it's another direction, usually uh, a lot of the work is referral-based. So I'm setting them up with my professional referral partners to make sure that they're talking to the, a, a really good elder care lawyer or a good in-home care agency or a good home health agency or a great financial advisor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's that kind of thing. Well, thank you for that plot of checking in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so, so kind of share with us as, as our listeners, are, you know, 
for the first time, like, oh, I didn't know this industry that is a service available to help us navigate and not have to kind of flounder by myself. But what is the, the common misconceptions as they're engaging with you that you find as kind of a pushback? People who might be a little too skeptical say, hey, this sounds a little too good. So it, it goes along kind of a, a continuum. Mm-hmm. And it, I think a lot of it has to do with the older adult fearing that they're going to lose their independence. Mm-hmm. That is the number one obstacle in in all of this and the adult child their number one concern is about safety mm-hmm. they want mom and dad to be safe so very often what ends up happening is that the adult child finds themselves in a position where they're trying to force mom and dad to do something mm-hmm. mom and dad want to maintain their independence my job is to help them to understand that their independence is actually going to be increased by moving out of a situation that's unsafe by moving out of a situation that's dangerous. If you've got all of these household chores that you're constantly focusing on, I got to cook, I got to clean, I got to do all my bills, I got to get the yard taken care of, blah, when all those things are removed and you move into a senior living community where all of those things are taken care of for you, you can truly focus on your life. You can begin to thrive. You can begin to flourish. You can begin to age with dignity. You can begin to age with grace. And that's, that's the effort, and that's the biggest misconception. And uh, usually it's because there's this concept of they're going to move me into a nursing home. Uh-huh. And today's, uh, even if, if it's a senior living community or if it's aging in place, mm-hmm. um, they've done so much work in the past 15 years to make sure that these places are absolutely not like a hospital-like environment of maybe what they conceived of as a typical nursing home. Yeah, this is a quick plug back as I've visited some of these uh, senior living areas and it's almost like a cruise ship. It's like a vacation. I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could be like 65 right now. I'll sign me up for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, they really fall into two categories because not everybody wants to go on a cruise, right? So mm. there's resort style living. And if, if you want to be on a cruise ship all day long with happy hours every single evening and, you know, everybody mm. getting dressed up to go down to the mailbox, then you can have that. Yes. Other people are more kind of introverted and they want just residential style living where it's not like a cruise ship. And those, those, those options are, are out there for, it's so much about matching the individual's social and recreational preferences, mm-hmm. their personalities to the right environment. And you need to know those environments in order to make sure that that match happens. It's not just about location. It's not just about budget. It's not just about level of care, social and recreational uh, preferences are a huge part of making sure that that matches a fit. Well, so it sounds like there's a lot more options available when their concern is if they're either an introvert or they want to get dressed up to go to the mailbox. It sounds like there's everything is available. There's over 700 different options in the greater Atlanta area, 700 different options. Mm. So uh, yeah, there's something for everybody, no doubt about it. So for either the adult children or maybe the seniors themselves, I mean, what signs should we look for to begin uh, having this conversation to start the process? I mean, do they have to go to um, a facility or, or an aging place or senior living? Is there other options beyond that? Because yeah. kind of the misconception, well, not so much a misconception, but a, a lot of, for most, would rather aging place where they're living at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in order to age in place, you need to have the right uh, ecosystem. Uh, in place. And, you know, there's five critical things that uh, you need to have. You need to have great nutrition. You need to have social and recreational activity. You need to have great caregiving. The physical structure needs to be uh, appropriate for caregiving. So you need to have an occupational therapist come in and make sure that that uh, places it. And here's the fifth thing. 
And this is the most important thing for a successful aging in place ecosystem. You need to have a resilient family member that's willing to do all of the work mm-hmm. when the in-home care agency is not in the home. So if you don't have that resilient family giver, if you don't have that one person that's willing to devote a tremendous amount of time to taking care of that family member, mm-hmm. then it's uh, it's often pretty difficult. And of course, as I said before, there's if they decide that they want to relocate into a senior living community, there's those uh, those environments just are uh, abound. There's a fit for everybody. Mm. And before closing this out, this is a question I got to ask you as well. Uh, I don't, as I mentioned before, uh, don't get to have too much of an opportunity to do so. Is how do you and your wife kind of find a balance in being able to either leave the business uh, at the door or be able to find tools and systems to not kind of well squeeze each other to death? <laughs> My wife doesn't leave the business at the door. Oh, <laughs> I guess I guess that answers that. Well, she's not here to defend herself, so maybe it's a good thing that she's she's not here. Although, although when you get home, when this episode goes live, yeah, that might yeah. be a different she, story. She might give me a hard time about yeah. that. Yeah, we love what we do. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a this is a pers- I call it a pursuit of dignity for the elder adult that we're working with. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that we're doing is to making sure that the people that we work with are uh find dignity as they age and find grace as they age and we 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 love working with the families we work with so mm-hmm. you know uh, we try to talk about things that aren't work related when we go out to dinner but uh usually we we say let's let's make sure we don't talk about work and of course we end up talking about <laughs> Mrs. Smith or you know Mr. Jones and and this and that and what can we do for them but my wife and I have been married for 25 years and everything that uh, uh, that the previous couple was stating is it, it, I couldn't agree with them more. It's about we love each other, you know, in, in, incredibly, and she's my best friend, and we love spending time together. And now that we have an opportunity to actually work together, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, nothing greater. So uh, those things are incredibly important. And you know, when you're talking about. Uh, setting up a family business, I think um, that's the foundation, a, a true care for each other and putting each other first. Great. Well, thank you for your words of wisdom. So for those who want to learn more and get started and having that tough conversation, whether it's with their parents or the parents or their kids or looking at options, how they can best find you? So I want to I want to answer that question in two different ways. Mm-hmm. The first is uh, if if you have a local need, if you have something that's that's if you're in Georgia and you're trying to find a solution for mom and dad in Georgia, mm-hmm. then uh, call me directly. My number seven seven zero six three one five nine two three, or go to my Google Business page. Just go to Google Maps and look up Senior Care Authority Atlanta, and then all my information will be there. You can go to my website. You can go to my Facebook page. You can go to all these different places. Plus, you can read my reviews, and my reviews are anecdotal. Uh, people that write my reviews, they describe what I've done for them, and that's a great way to get to know me through the people that I've worked with. So that's part one. You got my phone number, and you've got how to get a hold of me. Senior Care Authority has people like me all over the country. So I just spoke to a gentleman earlier. I have somebody, you know, in Los Angeles that actually does what I do in Los Angeles. So you're not limited 
to uh, just Atlanta. If you're looking for a solution that's in some other part of the country, you can also contact me and I can refer you to another elder care advisor that would be in another part of the country. So it's not just for locally related pieces. I can also help you with um, something that's out of state. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So as uh, you've heard, kind of that the theme uh, with all of our guests is having family values in terms of creating their business. Uh, what does that mean? Taking care of their employees and taking care of their clients, even having conversations over dinner uh, when we're not supposed to be talking about work. But hey, when you care about Mr. S- Mrs. Smith, it, it just kind of weaves in. So one universal question I would like to bring our guests back is on the first thing, since we're on the subject of family business values, is if you have a legacy to leave behind for your business, well, how would you want to be remembered? So that's the first question. And then the second question is for our listeners, what would be your number one advice to those who are just starting out? So as a quick repeat, the first question is running your business and creating a legacy. How do you want to be remembered? And the second question is for those that are listening in kind of on the fence, what would be your advice to those family businesses? So now this will be kind of uh, my obligatory disclosure. So this show is sponsored and brought to you by myself, Anthony Chen, with Lighthouse Financial Network, securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. The main office address is 575 Broad Hollow Road in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090, extension 5075, or my email, uh, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E-N, at LFNLLC.com. So kind of bring our guests back. Same questions. Uh, first is if you have a particular family business value or legacy, how would you want to be remembered? Followed by an advice that you would give to families that are looking to start their family business. Meredith. So as a marketing consultant, the uh, legacy that I would want to leave is not necessarily for me. It's for the businesses that I've worked with. Mm. So it's helping them to build to what they aspire to be. So it's not necessarily me looking back going, oh, well, I did this all these great things to build my business. I look back and go, wow, I helped XYZ business build and leave something for their legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part, remind me one more time. Is an advice that you would give to all the family businesses that are looking to start out. Awesome. That pertains very closely to me because I just did this. Um, so, you know, I, I had a passion for wanting to go into consultancy two or three years ago. So I built my plan and from the, from the ground up and I started two or three years ago working mm-hmm. on this. Um, and then finally last November is when I pulled the trigger and, and actually executed the plan. Um, so having, having the timelines, having all the things ready to go and knowing what you need to do, I brought in some advisors to help navigate. I didn't realize there was so much paperwork and so many things that had to be done when you create an LLC and you, you have to pay the IRS differently. Um, 
So just making sure you have a really solid plan and you're passionate about what you're doing. Just like these guys, they were passionate, but then they sold and they're so passionate. They started 2.0, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Adam. Uh, let's see the way I would want to be remembered, I guess would be, uh, what I described earlier, how, um, my goal when I'm interviewing people, when I'm creating this, these videos is to help people tell their stories in the most authentic way possible. Mm -hmm. So if I could be remembered for uh, being able to accomplish that, that would be meaningful. But on top of that, um, one of the best things I ever get to hear is when my crew says, I really love the way you run your set. And that's extremely important to me. So that door swings both ways. I want the clients to feel like they loved doing the work together and my crews feeling like they loved doing the work together. Mm -hmm. And then what would be your advice to family businesses that are looking to start out? Well, I would say to be uh, true to yourself. I mean, my, my business is not exactly a family business, although I, it's an independent business and my crews are very much, family oriented. I work with the same people over and over and over again. So, um, I would say be true to yourself and respect each other. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me. All right. And Chris, same question. Well, at the, at the beginning, you remember how I said that 90% of people use realtors now in order to buy or sell a home. Mm-hmm. The, the legacy is that we, we do things in a way that will help the general public get to that same kind of uh, situation where they're using an elder care advisor to help them through this journey 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of responsibility right now because we are laying the groundwork. This is an industry in infancy and we really are hoping that uh, it's going to continue to grow. And uh, that's, that's where we are right now. The legacy is going to be everybody uses an elder care advisor. I remember your numbers clearly was what you're only at what 20, 30%? 10 to 15% oh, right now. So you got a long ways to work <laughs> to get yeah. up to 90. Yeah, it took a long time for realtors. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of share with it then what would be your advice uh, to those who are looking to start their own family business? Have faith. If you've got, uh, if you've got uh, the passion to do this, you've got an origin story. Let's say, for example, most people do. You've been a family caregiver before, mm-hmm. and you feel passionate about helping families navigate this difficult journey. Have faith that uh, this is something that's going to be incredibly needed over the next five to ten years, and uh, have faith that your business is going to grow. Thank you. And to close us out, Maggie and Mike. Same questions. How would you like your legacy to be? So the beauty of electrical is it's always going to be here. So as technology advances, mm-hmm. you're always going to need someone to put the wire in the wall or put the wire in the conduit. So the leggy in the electrical in- industry is, is it's going to keep on going. Um, the, the good thing is we have two young children uh, that are seniors and one's uh, in the Navy. The Navy guy is an um, uh, aviation electrician. He wants to take over the business. So oh. the legacy should go on. And we're still trying to get our daughter to want to join, but she's the artistic mind. She's only 16, yeah. so she's uh, got a little... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really. So we'll let her work in the, the public sector for a while, and I'm sure she'll come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the legacy that we want to leave behind is, you know, it, for our children, because working for yourself and owning your own company is just, you know, it's incredible. But also, um, it's about building relationships with your customer, and we never want to steer away from that, because we don't... We want to make sure we maintain the quality of our work with our customers. 
we want to go out to change out a light bulb as well as go out and do a whole remodel or a rewire of a house or commercial work. Like it doesn't matter if we're coming out there just to change a light bulb or if we're doing that remodel of the house, we're going to treat you the same way, no matter what, because we, it's about building that relationship with that customer. And then the advice to those who are kind of on the fence and dipping into a family business or, or at best having a husband and wife partnership. Just do it. Yeah. I, so expect the unexpected. And like everybody else has said, you have to have a good foundation and you've got to have a plan and realize that the plan will change. But as long as you have your set goals and values, that's most important. You always have to stick to your goals and values. Don't steer away from it. Once you stop loving what you do, you need to find something else because you should be loving and just that passion and, you know, always just wanting to go out and, and do better and be better. Mike? I agree with her. <laughs> Smart answer. Yeah, Smart. That, was answer. A, that was a great answer. Smart yeah. answer. I, in this kind of economy, yeah. there's a, now's the time to take a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's plenty of opportunity out there in any kind of business any of these people do. Um, if building the right relationships – it gets you your first client that, you know, as long as you do a good job, uh, you get your next client. Mm. And like all these people at these tables, we've, we've built client at a time, piece by piece, one by one. Uh, and they never just come rushing in. So, you know, if you have the mind for it, uh, I would say go ahead and do it. And you got to realize it's not a nine to five job. Like you have lots of hours of, of, you know, hard blood, sweat and tears. Mm. It's not all pretty. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, kind of closing off our show, uh, this will be a portion called Anthony's Financial Take. Uh, so listening in on kind of the theme with all of our guests, it's all very much focused on family business and having passion. So how does this uh, tie in with finances? Uh, sometimes we can focus a little too much uh, on the numbers and the dollars and cents, but not so much the values and the meanings behind it, uh, whether it's the family business itself or getting sick and tired of this nine to five corporate jobs and not really sure if I should stay here or kind of take the leap of faith as one would say and trust uh, in the process. So kind of the financial take here is find a purpose and passion because at the end of the day, the money and the finances will work out, but it's important to find the right team that understands your story and can share your story and buy into your journey because financial planning is not just reaching a arbitrary dollar and cent goal, but rather with the meaning behind a dollar and cents to be able to preserve and most importantly, pass on the torch of your legacy. That's a little bit of my take. Thank you for listening in to Family Business Radio.